Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well this morning we are continuing in a series that we started three weeks ago, a series that we're simply calling All Now we're looking at the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. We learned about this last week. He spent so much time in prayer that the people around called him Camel Knees. Come on, how how many of you would like that nickname, Camel Knees? He spent so much time in prayer that his knees were knobby and calloused from spending time worshiping God. Now we're looking through this series of the book of James, and in this, we're discovering what does it take for you and I to move beyond just average churchgoers and to arrive at this place of being all in as a believer. Now, James was writing this incredible book not to people that were lost, not to people on the outside of the church. James was writing this information to a group of believers that, if they were honest with themselves, weren't really mature in their faith. They were immature believers. They were in need of spiritual growth in their lives. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you would agree that that's, that's, that's who you are today? You need to advance in your walk with Christ. Yeah, I think many of us in the room today would testify and say, that's, that's where I find myself. So how do we move beyond just coming in and going through the routines on a Sunday and, and arrive at the place of truly being all in as a follower with Jesus? That's what we're going to discover over the next several weeks, about 11 weeks in this series. Now, James, here's what I like about James. He's a realist. Um, He says, truth be told, he says, you're going to have problems in life. You're going to face difficulties in life. We talked about that last week. But he also says that in life, you're going to be tempted to do what is wrong. So what are we going to do? Well, look what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he is tempted. Come on, would you read that with me this morning? Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he is tempted. Some of you are wondering today, how do I come to the place of being happy? Some of you are frustrated with life. Some of you are ready to throw in the towel. Some of you are ready to give up. Why? Because you face the same issue, the same conflict, the same temptation almost every day, and you just had enough. But the Bible says happy is the man who doesn't give in, who doesn't do wrong when he is tempted. Let me ask you, have you ever been tempted to do something that's wrong? Come on, anybody in the house, have you ever been tempted to do something that is wrong? Yeah, many of you in the room say, yeah, I've been tempted. Others of you room didn't raise your hand because you were tempted not to. Yeah, we're tempted in life to do things that are wrong. Sure, we all have been tempted. But what would it take for us to kick that temptation and ultimately to kick that sin to the curb? 
I've titled this message very simply, Kick Sin to the Curb. I don't know about you, but I get tired of struggling. Come on, anybody in the house? Get tired of dealing with the junk. So how do we move beyond the temptation and say, you know what? No more. Not today, Satan. I'm not going to deal with it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. That's what we want to talk about today. How do we kick the sin to the curb and truly pursue an all-in relationship with Jesus? Let me share you three truths. Three truths about temptation. Number one is this. Temptation is inevitable. Come on, take really good notes this morning. Temptation is inevitable. It's going to happen at some point in time, sooner than later. Temptation is going to occur in your life. Not a single one of us is above temptation. I mean, even Jesus was tempted, right? We read about this. He, he was in the desert, in the wilderness. He was fasting, spending time in prayer. And the enemy, Satan, comes to him and tempts him three times to do wrong. Now, I'm happy to tell you, Jesus didn't give in to temptation. He stood upon the word of God. He relied upon the word of God. He trusted in the word of God. This was his defense mechanism. We're going to get to that in just a few moments. But it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've come to church. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you read in the Bible every day. It doesn't matter even if people call you camel knees because you pray so long every single day. At some point in time, you're going to be tempted to do wrong. Temptation is going to come knocking at your door. Here's the question that begs to be asked. How will you respond to that knock? How are you going to respond? When, when that temptation begins to entice you, when it begins to rise up in front of you, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? First Corinthians says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. But here's the problem. Sometimes we think, well, if, if temptation is inevitable, if it's going to happen, I might as well give in. And that's what we think. It, it's going to be there. If it's going to keep taunting me, I might as well give in to it. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. There's a huge difference between temptation and sin. Come on, look at this. There's a huge difference between temptation and sin. You can be tempted all day long, every single day, every single moment, every single hour, and not ever sin. But the moment you begin to give in to that temptation, the moment you begin to step into the presence of that temptation, the moment you begin to toy with that temptation, that's when you enter into this place or the reality of sin. Again, let me clarify. Temptation is not sin. There's a difference between the two. Grab a hold of this. I allow myself to lower the standard that God has set before me. 
suddenly I move into a place of sin. And here's what I've discovered. My, my favorite quote ever is by Greg Johnson from the book Character of Leadership. And, and he says this, every Samson who laid with Delilah, every David who betrayed his Uriah, every Judas who sold out his Jesus, began his downfall with a what? A thought. Now you're like, I don't know who Samson is, I don't know who Delilah is, I don't know who David is, who's Uriah, I don't know who these people are. Man, these are people in the Bible that we see struggling because they gave in to a temptation. They began to flirt with that temptation. They entertained a thought, perhaps a thought that that slowly came into their mind. Rather than resisting it, rather than running from it, rather than pushing it away, they entertained that thought in that moment and it allowed them to move into this place of sin. I challenge you today, resist the urge to play with, to pamper, to flirt with temptation. For if you do, it will eventually crush you and kill you. You will not win against temptation if you allow it a foothold in your life. Come on, look at this. You're not strong enough in yourself Because here's the problem. We see this line. We're like, okay, temptation is over here. Sin is right here. So what we end up doing is we get as close to this line as possible. And we say, as long as I don't step over, I'm okay. As long as I just hang on this side of the line, I'm okay. As long as I don't put my foot one step too far, I'm okay. And I'm not sinning. I'm tempted. I'm entertaining. I've been enticed by. I'm toying with the sin. But I haven't stepped into it yet. So I'm just being tempted and playing the game. Can I just tell you, this is a game you're never going to win. And I'm encourage you, listen very carefully today. You've got to hate it, you've got to resist it, you've got to run from it at its earliest existence. Only by doing so will you overcome temptation. Jesus himself, when he was tempted, what did he do? He didn't toy with it. When Satan said, man, you're hungry. Why don't you cause these stones to turn into bread? Why don't you eat some of that? When he took him up on the, on the top and he said, hey, see this whole area out here? If you bow to me, man, you can have all of this. He didn't toy with it in the moment, did he? No, he said, it is written. Here's what the word of God says. When you begin to experience that temptation, when that thought comes into your mind, rather than entertaining it, rather than saying, you know what, I can step in just a little bit as long as I don't step over the line, I'm okay. As long as I don't go too far, I'm okay. Rather than doing that, begin to stand upon the word of God. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm called by God to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. I refuse, I refuse to step into a lifestyle of sin. I'm believing, I'm trusting in who God's called me to be. Don't flirt with it, don't play with it, don't toy with the temptation. But hide God's word in your heart. Allow it to lead you and guide you into a greater place in the presence of God. Look what Ephesians chapter 6 says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
Did you know that? The temptation that you experience in life, that struggle that you're facing, it's really not that person. It's not that individual. You're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Then he says this, therefore, come on, look at this, therefore, put on the full armor of God. How many of us are guilty of getting up in the morning and we we go about our day and we fail to fully clothe ourselves in the things of God and we're wondering why we get halfway through the day and we're really struggling to walk solid and stand upright in the presence of God. It's because we haven't fully clothed ourselves with what God has called us to do. Come on, look at this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, in other words, when the temptation comes your way, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. What's it say? Stand firm. Man, clothe yourself in the full armor of God. God, I'm gonna put on my helmet of salvation. Lord, I'm gonna put on the breastplate of righteousness. God, I'm gonna grab the sword of the spirit. I'm gonna put on the belt of truth. God, I'm putting on the shoes of readiness. Lord, I'm gonna function and fight the battle with you today, not in my own ability, not in my own strength, not in my own right, but in who you've called me to be. Lord, I need you. And when you've done everything to stand. When I've done everything to stand. The wind's blowing. The conflict's coming. The temptation is battling. I'm being enticed by what's going on around me. When I've done everything to stand, I put on that helmet. I put on the breastplate. I'm holding the sword. I've got the belt tight. I've got the boots on. I'm ready to go. And when I've done everything to stand, I stand firm. I place my feet. Have you ever really stood firm? You know an impact is coming. Come on, there's a difference between standing and standing firm, right? There's a huge difference between standing and, if I'm just standing here, somebody can walk up and shove me and I'm going down, right? Because I really haven't braced myself. I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm just kind of balancing my way. But if I stand firm, it's almost like you take your feet and you press them down into the ground, not not physically, but you see it and you feel it. You feel that pressure going in. You're set. You're ready to go. That's what we're called to do. Prepare ourselves. Get ready, for our battle is not against one another, but against the evil forces against us. Satan, our adversary, our enemy, is out to destroy us. So we don't waver. We don't tiptoe. We don't toy with temptation. There's an old saying that says this, if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. I don't know about you guys in the room, I love fire. A few years ago, I forgot where we were, uh, might have been out here for a, for a, a sizzling summer event and we're trying to get a fire pit going, 
and Scott comes up. And he's going to light the fire. And, and I've been taking lighter fluid and like some newspaper and lighting it and kind of, and I'm like, yeah. Scott walks up with this propane tank with a flamethrower with a nozzle this big around. And he pushed that button and this flame shot out about this far and it made that sound that, and I was like, oh. Can I just tell you, that day I went out and bought a flamethrower. I've got it at my house. And about a year later, my son brings some of his college friends home. And so we're going to do a fire pit in the backyard. And I thought for a moment, i got to be the cool dad. So what did I do? I got the flamethrower out, right? Come on. I hooked that thing up, and I'm lighting, you know, just kind of casual. Yeah, just lighting the fire pit. Whoosh. And those boys were like, and so I looked at it, and the fire's already going, but they're just, we're boys, we're, we're playing, right? You know, I've been told that a guy always reverts to the youngest age in the room, so suddenly I became a college kid again, and I'm like, dude, you want to try the fire? You want to do this? And this kid's like, yeah, this kid's back here, he's shooting the fire, he's going, oh, oh. Now, I'm happy to tell you, none of us got burnt, but the moral of the story is this, if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. But here's also the problem. Sometimes that temptation is enticing. Clicking that little lever on that blowtorch, oh, come on now. Suddenly all testosterone just like took loose in my body. I grew more hair than ever before. I mean, it was just like the Hulk took over. I mean, I was excited. Why? I was enticed by the power of the fire. Here's the problem that we face in life. Sin, temptation, oftentimes it does that in our lives. It entices us in the moment. But the Bible tells us to resist that urge, to run from that. Why? Because if you give it a foothold, if you give it an opportunity, it'll lead you down a path of destruction every single time. The second truth that I want you to understand is this. Temptation is not from God. Come on, look at this. Temptation is not from God. I've heard people say this many, many times. Why is God doing this to me? There's no statement that's further from the truth. Listen to this. Why would God send his son, Jesus, to die such a cruel death for a world that was going to that he was going to lead into temptation anyway. That doesn't make any sense, does it? It's very contradictory. Why would he send his son to die and then tempt people to do wrong? James chapter 1 says this, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So if God doesn't tempt us, where does our temptation come from? Well, two very simple sources. Number one, is Satan. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose, or the thief comes, only to steal, kill, 
and destroy. Satan's goal in life, his number one goal in life is to entice you in such a way that he can steal from you your joy, your happiness, your family, your life, what you've earned, all of these things to steal that from you, to kill you, and ultimately to destroy you. That's his goal. He knows your weakness. He knows how to trip you up. He knows how to make you stumble. He may give you just a little bit of truth. And here's what we're seeing in our culture today. There's a little bit of truth, but the problem is it's twisted. It's perverted truth. Satan's goal, if he can convince you that the lies that he is sharing with you are actually the truth, that fire will begin to spread in your life. In fact, the Bible says that not only is he a liar, but he's the father of lies. The second source of all of our temptation is this, our own desires. James chapter 1, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? Death. For the wages of sin is death. Not the temptation, not the wages of temptation. Temptation is here. This is sin. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of, of giving into that behavior, that lifestyle, that enticing action, what we deserve because of what we do is death, is separation from God. Now, in this scripture, it says that our temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. This phrase, drag us away, originally comes from a fishing term. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fisherman. Um, I have a pole. But this year, when I went fishing for the first time in several years, I had to call a good friend of mine called Gary, and I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm at Walmart. Okay, first off, you know that I'm not a real fisherman when I'm doing all my fishing stuff at Walmart. I'm at Walmart. What do I need to buy? He said, well, what are you fishing for? And I went, fish. <laughs> well, what kind of fish? One with a tail and a fin. I don't know. Whatever fish are in the lake, I don't know. Whatever's there. Here's what I understand. If I'm going to fish for fish, I don't put a mouse trap on the end of the line. It's not going to do any good. I've got to put something on the end of the line that entices that fish, that draws attention. In fact, Gary was very specific. You need this color. And I'm like, what color is that? It was like chartreuse or something. I don't even know. I didn't realize they made guy manly things in chartreuse. I, I was thrown off. So I'm finding chartreuse or whatever it was, and I pick that up, and I'm like, okay, cool color, let's go with it. I had to find something that was going to entice the fish in order to catch what I was really looking for. Satan does the same thing. He knows how to entice you. He knows 
how to speak your language. He knows how to catch your attention. He will toy with you. He will lure you in slowly. And the moment you begin to nibble on that, the moment you approach that line, what does he do? He sets the hook. And he begins to reel you in. And we say things like this, well, the devil made me do it. No. No, you have a choice. Just like the fish in the lake couldn't say, well, that guy up on the shore with that long pole, he made me bite the hook. No, I I didn't. I put it out there. I enticed them, and they came. I'm happy to tell you, I caught a couple fish that day. Thank you very much. It's amazing, amazing. Major fisherman. But, But you have a choice. You have a choice when it comes to temptation and sin. What are you going to do? Either you're going to stand firm, and when you've done everything to stand firm, you're going to stand firm, or you give in to that temptation, that enticement in front of you. I said it a moment ago, the thief's purpose, the reason Satan is here is to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But if you go on in the scripture in John 10.10, it says this, but I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In fact, one translation says that you might have life and have it through and through. In other words, you are consumed with life. Guys, that's good news this morning. That's good news. God saw that you would be facing temptation. God saw that the enemy would try to steal from you, try to kill you, try to destroy you. So he sent Jesus out of love and compassion and grace and mercy for you. He sent Jesus with the purpose of giving you life and giving you life through and through. Our third truth is this. You can defeat sin with God. You can defeat sin with God. You can kick sin to the curb with God. Deuteronomy 31, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Man, there's a song, a couple songs in life that I just despise. But one of them is this. It was by Bette Midler. came out many, many years ago, probably before some of you were born. And it says, God is watching us from a distance. I hate that song with all that is in me. I hate that song. Because there's nothing further from the truth. God is a close-up God. God is a personal God. God isn't watching me from a distance, watching and waiting for me to do something wrong. But God's walking side by side with me. And when I get close to that edge, when I get ready to step over, he says, you don't want to do it. I've got a better plan. I've got a better way. Would you lean into me? Don't look at that lure any longer. Don't let it entice you any longer. Don't step over that line, but run to me. Rid yourself of that struggle, that difficulty, that enticement, and run to my presence. There you will find fullness of joy. I want you to know that God is with you today, and you can defeat sin. So what do I do when I'm tempted? What do you do? Well, number one, recognize the source of your trouble. you got to recognize the source. Verse 21 says, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives 
and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. For it has the power to save your souls. Listen carefully. If you have a problem with drugs, don't go around where drugs are sold. If you struggle with gambling, don't go to the casino. If you have a problem with pornography, don't subscribe to the movie channel. Don't spend time alone on your computer, on your laptop, on your phone. I could go on and on, but here's, here's the truth. You've got to rid yourself of whatever is feeding that desire. Come on, that's good stuff right there. We wonder why. Why can't I overcome this temptation? Because we toy with it. We hang out with it. We play games with it. We see how close to that line we can get. We get right to that edge. And the enemy comes in and he pushes us over. The second thing we got to do, we got to recognize the source. We got to run from what we know is wrong. Come on, you're not hanging out here. You see that temptation, you see that line right there. Rather than toying with it, you run from that temptation. Second Timothy says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. So what do I do instead? Instead, I pursue righteousness. Righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Rather than pursuing that which stimulates that lust in my life, that sinful behavior in my life, rather than allowing to, that, that side of me, that old sinful nature, to be fed, I run from that and I pursue the things of God. See, if all we have is the recognition of wrong, if all I've done is said, hey, I recognize there's a temptation line right there. I recognize it. All right, there, there it is. Yep, I, I see it. Hey, you see that line? Look ahead. If all I do is recognize that line, but it doesn't bring about any change, any movement, I'm no better off. I've got to make a choice to run from that which is wrong. The third thing I've got to do, I've got to choose to do what's right. I've got to run from what's wrong, and I've got to pursue and choose what is right. You were created with a free will. You were created with a free choice in life to do what is right and to do what is wrong. Listen very carefully. No one can make you do the right thing. Just like no one can make you do the wrong thing. Oh, no, I understand. Environment around us can entice us. Environment around us can influence us. But you have a choice of what you're going to do. No one can make you do right. No one can make you do wrong. So what do we do? We, we turn 
to the truth of God's word. Now, culture would just say, well, blame somebody else there. Her kid will be fine. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? Eve said, well, you know, it's that serpent. That serpent led me astray. The serpent told me, and then Adam said, it's that woman you gave me. It wasn't my fault, it's that woman. Come on, how many of us guys have said that before? That woman. Guys, don't try that. It doesn't work well. One lady, one brave lady in the house. One brave lady. But rather than blaming around, why not say, Lord, I'm going to turn to you. God, God I'm going I'm to trust in you. I'm going to recognize there's an issue. I'm going to recognize a source. I'm going to run from that which is enticing me. I'm going to pursue what is right. I'm going to pursue the things of God. In fact, Charles Reed once said this, so a thought, you reap an act. So an act, you reap a habit. So a habit, you reap a character. So a character, you reap a destiny. I wonder today, what seed are you sowing? What seed are you planting in the ground? So a thought, reap an act. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, you reap a destiny. Your thoughts that you entertain is going to bring about a destiny What's our last step? Well, two more. You seek out friends for strength. Did you know we were built for community? We need one another. I need you and, and you need her. You need him. He needs you all around the room. We need one another. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and a third is even better. Three is even better. For a three-triple-branded cord is not easily broken. We need a support system. Guys, life groups begin tonight. If you haven't plugged into a life group, all. Oh, Pastor, I don't know if I can. It, it's tonight and it's already this morning. I'm not sure I can do for tonight. Yeah, you need to make this commitment. Life groups begin tonight. We've also got many other groups around the church. We have our men's events. We've got a men's event coming up this Friday night. Women's events, young adult events, young family events, youth. Youth is on Sunday nights. We have our epic 55-plus ministry. Man, we got events going on for everybody in this place. I'm going to challenge you. Be a part. Be committed. Because we need one another. And our final step is this. Pray for God's help. The temptation in your life is no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not, not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, come on, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Our goal as a follower of Christ, our goal as a Christian, isn't just to attend church. Our goal isn't to be a stagnant Christian. Come on, how many of you know that if something is stagnant, it begins to stink? But our goal is to be all in, to pursue the things 
of God. James 1, 22, don't just, be a listen, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are fooling yourselves. In other words, you're just wasting your time. Begin to put action to what you believe. Why? Well, 2 Peter says the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. God knows where you are. He spoke to us this morning. He sees you. God knows where you are, and he knows how to bring you out of what you're experiencing. He sees that line that is enticing you. And he's got a better plan. I wonder today, are you ready? Are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to resist the temptation? Are you ready to kick sin to the curb? And to wholly and completely pursue this all-in relationship with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you. 